The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzola here with Sam Monson. Happy Super Bowl week, Sam. Happy Super Bowl week to you too, Steve. Thanks. We are doing the pod right now from lowly Cincinnati. Lowly? Yeah, we're just, no offense to our home city, but we're just in Cincinnati right now. But, wheels up tonight mm. to Miami. Yeah. And then we'll be uh, living like kings for a few days. Coronavirus, here we come. Yeah. You bring all your masks, which apparently are pointless. I have multiple masks. Yeah. Turns yeah. out those are completely useless against the coronavirus. They don't stop it. So apparently the surgical masks stop things down to like five microns and the coronavirus is 0.6 microns. Wow. They're, uh, uh, even the like super industrial, you know, like particle preventing things, they're like two. So again, no, no use these, whatsoever. Is this way worse than anything we've seen? In terms of pandemic like, yeah i mean it's not my area of expertise but i think it's pretty bad ask your parents i don't know that it's their area of expertise either i mean dad's a surgeon mom's a gp dr eric eager will he know uh, he did that kind of stuff yeah okay let's find out from him so we're going to miami hopefully disease free but we're going to preview the super bowl let's get all well so here's what we're going to do this week we're going to get all the goodies out today yeah it's the monday pod We'll get the preview going so you guys can listen throughout the week. Maybe circle back three or four times. Make sure you heard everything. So make sure you know everything you need to know for your Super Bowl party this weekend. Then we'll come back on Thursday, and that could just be anything. It could be a surprise pod. We could have PFT commenter. I don't know who's going to land on our Thursday podcast, but that's going to be part of the fun. Right. A lot of moving pieces. We have no idea what the Thursday pod is going to look like, or indeed if it will be on Thursday. Uh, it better be on Thursday. People like they do consistency. like consistency, but things are up in the air. We don't know what what later in the week is going to look like. People also so, like to just be surprised. So just be checking out your feed. Just check it every day. Yeah, check it. See when the PFF NFL podcast is coming back your way. So this will be our official Super Bowl Fifty Four preview. Are we allowed to say Super Bowl? What are the rules on that? Do we have to call it the big game like everyone else that doesn't have uh, exclusive rights to it? No, it's the I big mean, game. If you're like. I don't I think only if you're like selling things against it. 
We're just talking about it. Speaking of selling, PFF 30, 30% off all PFF annual products through the big game. Huh. Okay. How'd I do? Is that right? Sure. This is the best deal we're going to run all, all year. Plus, here's my suggestion. You have to order before February 29th. You get 366 days of access, not 365. That's your suggestion? Yes. There's no better time to get PFF because you get an extra day of access and 30% off all your annual Edge or Elite subscriptions. Do the marketing department know about your ideas? They should. They should know. Talk to them. Somewhat marketing. Hey, 366 days of access. Please tell the people. Put that on a put that on an image on an ad. Yeah. In bold. 366. It's not 365. You get a, you get the, it's leap year. You get an extra year, extra day of access Yeah, to study up. We get an extra day of draft season and free agent season this year. Isn't it great? It's almost, it's almost we've been saving up quarter days for four years right now just to have this extra day of NFL analysis this it's year. It's hard to believe people aren't putting that on posters, right? Yeah. We, we saved this we saved four years. We saved a whole day, quarter days for four years for this year. I don't think I've ever encountered somebody before so mind blown by a, the concept of a leap year. Mine's not blown. I'm fully aware of what it is. Yeah. I'm just telling you, you got to strike while the iron's hot while you get that extra day of access. You could probably just spend that extra day just reading our draft guide, reading the QB annual, which is out this week. QB annual out today. I wrote all the blurbs for all the quarterbacks on there and just incredible stats that you can't find anywhere else on all the quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, that's what your leap year should be. Your leap year day. Just QB annual. Yeah. Just maybe dedicate the, the leap year day yeah. to the QB annual. And then annual. you pick another day just for the draft guide. But okay. you, can't even, you can't even get all the information contained there. So anyway, 366 days of access, PFF 30, 30% off. All PFF annual subscriptions through the big game slash Super Bowl. Hmm. Monday or whatever. Super Bowl live. Live. Yeah. L-I-V. I like the the Roman numerals for it. I do as well. I, I don't understand why they haven't incorporated the Lombardi trophy into the, the Roman numerals for the logo. I haven't thought live. About that. L-I-V. The I should surely be the Lombardi trophy. Well, maybe you trophy. should be part of the marketing department. I should be the design team. And I'd be the marketing department. Yeah. L-I-V. The I should be the Lombardi trophy. Instead, they've stuffed the Lombardi trophy next to the I. So it's like L-I-I-V. And that's wrong. All right. When I am uh, GM of the Texans, how hard could it be? You can have a big Roman numerals department? No, you'd be a part of the des- design team with uh, some social media influence. Huh. You'd be one of my influencers. Okay. On social media. Is that, a, is that a step down? Have I gone from being the social media guy to part of the design team? No, it's an just... an impact on social media. It's just adding to your... The more you can do. Okay. You know what I mean? Versatility. Huh. Are you ready to preview? Yeah. Super Bowl LIV, San Francisco 49ers... And the Kansas City Chiefs. What are they rocking for uniforms here? We get Chiefs wearing red. The Niners are wearing their old school white and gold. Is that right? White and gold. Yeah, they, they got denied the permission to wear all white, right? This is important because as you're previewing the game, you're like, hey, what are they going to wear? You're like, you got to know what the, the aesthetic this is, is. Somebody was saying this is like the first combination ever where two teams that primarily play in red have met. That sounds right. Because yeah. the Chiefs haven't been in the Super Bowl well, for forever. For years, yeah. yeah. They were playing green and gold Green Bay. Mm. And, you know, the Niners haven't played a red team. So here we are. So should be should be a good one. Do you have a 
Let's just get right to the picks. Do you have a pick yet? Wow. Or do you want to build up to it? Like, do you like? I don't have a feel for where I'm no, going really to go don't. with this. I, yet. This, this, I, we said before, based off the championship games. Now, you can make arguments for a couple of different other teams, but this is as good as any combination you could have got for the Super Bowl. Two excellent teams, and whatever happens, I think it should be a fantastic matchup. And because of that, I'm kind of struggling with where to go. I've, I've talked myself into both teams a couple of times generally thinking about it so when you we're going to be on radio row all week we're going to be doing hundreds of interviews <laughs> previewing the game tv radio and all that stuff you have to have like your spiel done like, you have you have a day to have this thing down the worst ones are the ones that want like a points prediction who wins and by how much you got to have well, it like it's like last time i was on radio row is the patriots falcons game and i just by by Tuesday, I just had that thing down. I think it's going to be high scoring. And it's the, going Patri- to be the Falcons twenty eight to three. Can the Falcons slow down? Yeah. Well, I said the Patriots in a in a shootout. Did you it see this? Happen. There's a prop bet that it's uh, it's a hundred to one for the 49ers to blow a twenty eight to three lead again. Feels like it. That's pretty specific. Well, it's probably more than a hundred to one for them to even get to twenty eight to three ever. Yeah, of course. Let alone blow it from that point. Yes, like, that is. A like immeasurable amount, it's like a million more. to one, yeah. for that thing to happen again. And instead, it's a hundred to one. You might as well just set fire to your money. But history repeats itself, or something like that. It's cyclical, and to, this is the this is the downswing of the cycle. The blow twenty eight to three again. All right, let's. Where, which side of the ball you want to start on here? I don't know. You, 40, where do you want to go? Forty ers offense. All right, because this is where I'm I'm focusing a lot of my efforts this week, breaking down. Uh, the Shanahan offense and the mm-hmm. scheme and all that stuff. And, you know, they're coming off of a game where Jimmy G threw the ball eight times. And I think this is one of those stories, too. I was with our friend Ross Tucker on his podcast, which is going to air this week. Which one? One of many, mm-hmm. Ross. We appreciate you and all the effort that you put in everywhere. <laughs> to this but I think it's the Ross podcast. football football, uh, the Ross Tucker football podcast. Ross football Tucker podcast. Like so many people only remember the last thing that they saw. Yeah. Right? So Jimmy G throws the ball eight times, and everybody's like, look at the Niners. They made it to the Super Bowl. They were the best team in the NFC this year with no Jimmy G. He didn't even do anything. Yeah. Trent Dilfer, too. Right. He just threw the ball eight times a game this year. It was all the run game and defense. Mm-hmm. We've been saying all year the Niners are the team that's won games every which way. Yeah, they've won shootouts. They've won defensive struggles. They've won while averaging like nine yards a carry. They've won with Jimmy G throwing the ball eight times. But he has been a big part of many of their wins, including a lot of the wins down the stretch. His best game week 17 against Seattle in that must win game. Yeah, he's he's an interesting part of this offense because I think it's fair to say he's been a less important and crucial part of their offense than other quarterbacks, notably the one starting opposite him. Like Patrick Mahomes is that Chiefs offense, and nothing functions without him there. Even I know they won games with Matt Moore and blah blah blah. System but, quarterback, but Patrick Mahomes in that offense, it's a completely different story. Like Jimmy G, there have been games where he's been very much a passenger, and there have been games where he hasn't played well. Um, but there have also been games where he's been a huge part of it. But what's intriguing to me is that I think overall he's far from one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But there are certain situations where he has been insane and his numbers have been insane. And you could explain that away as noise and variance and small sample size and all this kind of thing. But they seem to be staying consistent. 
You know, they, they as much as you, they're they're not typically sustainable and predictive things. They're not going away anytime soon, or at least they haven't yet. And it seems to be creating this uh, persona of a quarterback that is at his best. It's almost like he has that clutch gene as much as all data points seem to suggest that those things don't really exist. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to, was it? Yeah. NBC posted all of his stats after interceptions right. and, you know, all that stuff. And, and when he's um, been trailing, his numbers are insane. He's 23 and five or whatever it is. Right. It, right. Overall, his it's just record a, obviously just a re- is great. When things, you know, are his record in the fourth quarter is absurd. Yeah. Like all of, if you were drawing up, if you were sort of identifying, filter me down a subset that creates clutch, right? All of the things you would put into that bucket, he's been really good at. Now, as much as nobody has ever, I don't think, been able to identify clutch in terms of... Yeah, usually over time, the best, the best players are the best, right. right? So nobody has actually ever been able to prove that such a thing exists. If you were creating a subset that was to show clutch, all of those numbers, he's been really good at. So the one thing I would say, though... And, you know, we've talked about this a few weeks ago. Our guy, Kev Cole, has done some study on this and everything was like the style of quarterback because it's not like like baseball tried to disprove clutch for a while because you can't really just make yourself better in the ninth inning versus the first inning. Right. Like you can't just decide to be better. But the quarterback does kind of dictate how he plays. So then if you do have Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins, a little bit more conservative Versus, say, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, who just retired. Of, of all the things we said about Eli, the one thing we could give him credit for is that aggressive style does work to make those fourth quarter comebacks. He was very good at that. So there's the quarterback of all the positions in sports. Maybe in basketball, you can kind of like dictate how you create shots at the end of the game. So there's something to it. It's not just being a product of the situation. Well, right? you can definitely change the way you play to match um, the game situation. You know, whether you're ahead by a ton, whether you're behind by a ton, that should dictate what you're doing differently in terms of aggression, right? Yeah. If you're behind by a ton, stop checking the ball down over the middle. You need to start airing it out and, you know, make some big plays to pull this thing back. What, those are the charts that I love because... Um, so he, uh, Kevin Cole created these charts that are essentially a quarterback's aggress- aggression in terms of down the field and all that kind of stuff versus the team's probability of winning the game at that, uh, at that specific moment in time. So whether they were up by a ton and therefore the quarterback should not be taking chances whether they're down by a ton or he should. And you essentially get this curve, right, That's, that, that should match that kind of game flow. And the th- those are the charts that make me convinced that Peyton Manning is the most cerebral and absurd quarterback of all time because – those kind of things that, you know, data analytics nerds right now are essentially creating, inventing, discovering, right? Manning has the perfect curve. It's what it should look like. And I don't know if he ever even knew that. And it was just inbuilt inherently in his brain to match perfectly with what this curve should look like. Or if he knew all that and he'd actually studied that stuff. But either way, Manning and Brady as well, to, to his credit, was pretty much perfect as well. Those guys had the absolute perfect curve for what they should look like. And, you know, with Manning, he was also the only quarterback that ever like equally targeted left and right, as opposed to inherently lent to his strong side, you know, right-handed, you target the right-hand side of the field more. Manning was the only quarterback for a good period that was perfectly balanced 50, 50. Forget that. I mean, Peyton, when even just watching the Colts, you just felt Peyton's Colts. You felt like they were attacking every part of the field. 
Right. It's like, hey, they just ran a slant, and now they're running a fade <laughs> off of that. They just ran a comeback, now they're running a post the other way. I mean, they were run. They were just everything worked off of each other really, really well. Um, here's some numbers I pulled out because I think we do a very good job of. We start the whole PFF company started by grading players, right? How well do players grade? And then you add a whole bunch of data to it, and we've got 200 plus data points per play that add context to what's happened. So while the stuff you buy with PFF Elite is the PFF grades, and it's like the final result. All of the research and stuff that we've done off of that, I think, is where a lot of the goodies come from, right? So if you know how well a player played, and you know how effective an offense is, then you can kind of say, okay, is this offense performing above or below expectations of when you're given this particular quarterback play or this level of quarterback play, whatever it is, right? So I, got, I went back through all of Kyle Shanahan's offenses, starting in 2008. Eight and nine, he was calling plays with the Houston Texans. 10 through 13, he was with Washington calling plays. 2014 with the Browns. 15 and 16 with the Falcons calling plays. And then the last three years with the 49ers. So there's 12 seasons here, right? I looked at EPA on passing plays. So expected points added, which is essentially just how productive is this offense. And I looked at quarterback grade. And I just kind of looked at the ranks, right? So nine out of those 12 years, the EPA on pass plays was higher than the just passing grade rank of the quarterback. So in other words, Shanahan's offenses are getting the most out of the quarterback play. Out of all those years, this is the season with the biggest discrepancy. They're number four at EPA on pass plays, right? So the fourth most productive passing offense in Jimmy G or the team's passing grade, it's generally Jimmy G, is number 12 in the NFL. And that kind of backs up what we've been saying, right? Genius play caller gets the most out of what he has with his um, surrounding talent. And these are these are the discrepancies that people whinge about the PFF grade because of, right? It's like, well, look, all of his numbers are amazing. Why have you guys got him graded averagely? It's because of stuff like this, right? The the difference between those two is essentially the effect of coaching and or supporting cast. Right. And it's look, we are actually distilling down what the quarterback is doing on all of these plays. And if you, and the difference between that, that doesn't always match up with the result of the play because other people have an influence of it. You cannot isolate the quarterback statistically, but you can isolate what he does from a grading point of view, like, you know, a 50, 50 jump ball, you can isolate that, right? Now, whether that guy catches it or whether it, it's your 20-80 ball that doesn't get completed 80% of the time, that you can't fix that statistically, but you can fix it from a grading point of view. Um, and yeah, so what a lot of people throw at us in terms of a flaw in the system, I think is actually one of its greatest strengths. It's being able to, as a byproduct, essentially get a coaching handle or get, yeah. a, get a, and a we'll data. talk. And we'll talk about the other side with Andy Reid, um, Dr. Eager. Uh, him and I teamed up on a piece, mostly Eric's work, and I just kind of added to it. But Eric did some just a great breakdown that'll be on the site, I think, today, um, showing Mahomes and how he's, you know, his range of outcomes was somewhat predictable, but at a low percentage chance. But but he's also just a massive outlier based off some of the data. So it's an interesting discussion. We can get to it when we get to the other side. But the Shanahan scheme is just. Um, has consistent success at elevating their personnel. Yeah, I mean, the scheme is one of the best in the NFL. Um, 
it's honestly, they're two of the best schemes in, in the NFL, Shanahan's and Andy Reid's. Shanahan's is interesting because the whole thing is designed for everything to look like everything else. Right. Whether you're running the ball, whether it's play action, whether it's screens off the bank of it, everything looks the same. And so defending it is a nightmare because you can't just read and react and flow to the ball. You have to spend a beat figuring out what the hell you're looking at before you can attack it. Um, and then he's Kyle Shannon has added all these new wrinkles where now instead of just outside zone every play, they've started folding in these um, gap schemes and these wham and trap blocks like we saw against the Packers and all kinds of stuff that makes it even more complicated. This is the lowest percentage of zone running they've ever had. Right. So that element, which I'll, I'll be writing that up this week, plus they are in the top three in percentage of trick plays, trick looks. Yeah. And motion usage. And so, I even, mean, it, this is like we talked about the Ravens winning on the margins. This is the Niners ticking every box for creating mismatches. And even some of these sort of, I don't want to say new run concepts, but the added run concepts that aren't outside zone, a lot of them look like outside zone in the first step. Like everybody is still taking a zone step on the offensive line. So half of the def- half of the defense's keys are reading outside zone as their first thing. And then suddenly it's, Oh no, it's not. It's, it's a wham, like it's a trap player. It's there's wham blocking here. Like it's, it's chaos. It's, so defending this thing is a nightmare. Do you have a, a nugget you wanted to add? Well, I want to, I want to, cause I want to circle back to the evolution of their zone scheme and everything. So one of the things <laughs> is um, if you were thinking about how to stop this offense, you might think of it in similar terms to the Ravens, right? And when we were thinking about this Ravens offense, it was like, this thing is virtually unstoppable right now. If you're going to beat it, the way to stop it is to put it in uh, an unfavorable situation, right? When the offense is at a sort of neutral, um, neutral play calling point of view, they can't be stopped. They're just killing people. But if we put them in a double digit hole early in the game and force them to chase the game, force them to change what they do on offense, suddenly things are much better because they don't like chasing the game. They're not big fans of being a, in a pass happy situation. That's what the Titans were able to do with the Ravens and it worked perfectly. In theory, you would say the same thing about the 49ers, right? They are built to dominate. They are built to win with a lead. They might not be built to play from behind. But if you look at Jimmy G's numbers when he's been trailing this season, number one in yards per attempt, 9.1. Number two in passer rating, 116, essentially. Um, so when they've been trailing, now the caveat here is that they haven't trailed a lot, right? 175 snaps or dropbacks this season when they've been behind. So it's not a big number, small sample size, et cetera, et cetera. They haven't trailed at all in the postseason. But so far, when they've had to change their offense and actually chase a game, they've been better than ever doing that. Yeah. Including that, you know, the Rams game, they made that, was it tied at the time? But they made that comeback there too. Uh, the Saturday night game, week 16, a couple deep passes there from Garoppolo. Fascinating numbers on Garoppolo this year too. F- lowest percentage of deep passes in the NFL, but the most efficient as far as completion percentage, yards per attempt. I like this number too um, that some of our guys have pulled out. The lowest average depth of throw for a QB averaging over eight yards per attempt. So eight yards per attempt is a pretty big number. Right. And it, you, you usually earn that by playing like Jameis, right? By chucking it down the field. And he was nine when trailing. So a whole yard higher right. So good. When he needed to, to create chunk plays, he could do it. But he's got the lowest average depth of target for all QBs who have reached over that eight yards per attempt 
markets. Garoppolo this year, Drew Brees in 2017. That's when Alvin Kamara came in and just, you know, yards after the catch, uh, catch like crazy. And then Nick Mullins in 2018. So two Shanahan guys. So again, there's this consistent history of success with all of the Shanahans. Um, we're going to try to grab Mike for an interview, which we've, uh, I think we've got confirmed this week. Mike Shanahan to sit down, go through the evolution of the outside zone scheme and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it essentially started, it got popularized in the 90s with Mike Shanahan's Broncos. And the, the whole key with this whole thing was you could run outside zone and you could kind of like take a defender out. I mean, all of offensive football is essentially putting a defender in conflict. Like you're taught to do this one thing. So let's give you two options off of that. That's kind of what the outside zone scheme did. It said, if we run to the right, you're the unblocked defender. You're supposed to, ch- we're going to leave you unblocked. You're going to chase down the line of scrimmage. And if you do that, we're going to run boot action. If you don't chase down the line of scrimmage, we always talk about how box count is the most important thing. Right. All of a sudden you've changed the box count. Yeah. I mean, when you think back to those Broncos teams, that was the, that was the hallmark, right? It was, we run outside zone over and over and over again. And then the second you don't honor the backside, Elway is, or plumber or whoever it was at the time, is just going to boot action, naked boot, naked bootleg at the back and he's got 20 yards to run into because you didn't bother defending and they just create free yards i mean it's it's, you're trying to stretch the defense you cut up the field your backside cutting i mean it's this whole consistent system i mean all of these things whether it's that original outside zone scheme whether it's the read option stuff all of these offensive innovations do the same thing which is you find one defender and you make him try and cover two different things right and if you can do it without actually blocking the guy all the better and then you just pick the one that he does. You pick the one that he's doing that the the opposite of what he's actually defending, and you got free plays. So you've got you have those '90s Broncos with Elway and Terrell Davis. They had RG three for that one year. Mike Shanahan is head coach. Kyle is the play caller. RG three, and they just tore up the league for that one year when they were using the zone read principles. You know, the MVP season for Matt Ryan, where we said, "Look, Matt Ryan's stats are some of the best in history," but he was still our second graded quarterback that year. Again, that was one of those those years where the offense. Um, Matt Ryan was awesome, but the offense still outplayed what the output should have been. And then you have this year with the 49ers. We've been tracking play action since 2010 and 2012. And a Shanahan scheme has three out of the top 10 just percentage of yards that come off play action and just total play action yards. Um, So there is just consistent success with the Shanahan scheme in this offense. And I think that's I think we've covered a lot (laughs) with, with Shanahan, the scheme and how well. He has put guys into position. We talked about all the trick plays and stuff like that. I mean, when you watch the Niners and you're like, Mostert has, you know, head of steam to use his track speed. Debo Samuel on the end of rounds and reverses. They have just been so creative getting those guys in space. And that is, while it's difficult to win with the run game when you're just pounding your head into a brick wall, it's easier to win with a run game when it's all misdirection plus good run blocking, plus boxing, like all of that stuff added up is why they've had such an efficient run game. Yeah, the motion and misdirection and fakes and trick looks and the the number of things that they've added on top of this sort of traditional uh, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak sort of system is what makes this, is what's taken it all to a completely different level now. Yeah, so they are entertaining to watch on the offensive side of the ball. You've got veteran Mike McGlinchey, leading the way at right tackle. Anything else about the Niners offense that's key here? No, I mean, that that motion um, is a huge part of it. Like, they have 
got the highest percentage of plays using motion, pre-snap motion of any team in the NFL. Um, and that's, that's become, that's one of those hallmarks now of quality offensive systems, right? It used to be that you just put one guy in motion just to see if the defense was playing man or zone, right? If the guy followed you, you were playing man. If he didn't, it was zone. Obviously defenses are not morons. They caught on fairly soon or fairly early that that was the purpose of that. And now we need to disguise that because otherwise they know exactly what we're doing. So the whole thing is developed several steps on from there. Defenses counter the manner's own thing. Now you need to do different things. So now you see all this pre-snap motion and it's doing all kinds of crazy things. It's not just designed to, uh, to identify whether they're playing manner's own. It's designed to essentially cause chaos in the defense. You're, you're, it's A, a lot faster than it used to be. You're not just shifting a guy from one side of the formation to the other and then snapping the ball. You're having these guys essentially run these jet motion fakes and all this kind of stuff. And you're essentially manipulating defenders around because if you have a guy in the back, if you have Debo Samuel running jet motion across one side of the formation, you can't just not cover him because then they'll go there and that guy will have 15 free yards. So you have to have somebody assigned to shoot out and follow him. Now you've got a guy who's a couple of steps late to something over the middle because he had to honor the jet fake. And, you know, it's again, it's free plays. It's scheme opening up holes that weren't there otherwise. And now it's it's gone from like one defender in conflict to more than one defender in conflict. And I think what you see in the college game, too, sometimes we're scouting an offensive lineman and it looks like he's crushing people. But the guy he's crushing is like trying to figure out what the ball right. is. Right. You know, you just don't know where it is. Like, so you're you're creating blocking angles. You're creating um, just advantages for everybody. in the So offense. these two offenses, they're number one and number four. The Chiefs are um, in terms of percentage of plays using motion. And with the four, uh, with the Shanahan 49ers offense in particular, they want to target the middle of the field. Like they have assembled these guys, whether it's um, Juszczyk, whether it's George Kittle, whether it's Debo Samuel, um, even Emmanuel Sanders. They've assembled this group of receivers that are all excel on routes over the middle. But over the middle is a, you know, convoluted, uh, crowded place. It's difficult to throw the ball there because there's a lot of bodies. So like linebackers. Of, yes. So one of the ways to improve your odds is to shift some of them out of there, is to get them out of the middle of the field. And one of the ways of doing that is this pre-snap motion stuff. If you fake something quick moving out of the middle of the field, you know, away from the center, you essentially manipulate some players, get you move them out of your path, and then you can create a pass over the middle that, again, wouldn't have been there had you not run all this motion. Yeah, a lot of good stuff here from a schematic standpoint. So that's going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch. Shanahan up against this Chiefs defense. Tyron Matthews playing really, really well on the back end yeah. for the Chiefs. And he's the type of guy that's just an instinctual player. Maybe not like, you know, we see Twitter breakdowns of like standard plays that people may be extrapolating yeah. a little bit too much about what he's actually doing. But Matthew patrols the middle with just some football savvy, so to speak. And he's been a playmaker since his LSU days. So I'll be curious to see if he, if he could just, can he rob one of those plays? I thought the Chiefs at their best, it was him, Juan Thornhill, being used as two interchangeable middle-of-the-field safeties. And, and Thornhill's obviously out for the season. Right. Can Matthew be one of those guys playing that robber role, kind of taking away some of that stuff, forcing Jimmy G to throw the ball outside the numbers. Yeah. I've started to sour on the concept of instinctive players because I think 
it does them a disservice what they're actually doing. Um, you know, Keekley was always a player that people talked about. Incredible instincts. And Sherman is another one on the other side of the ball. Are you going to call it FBI? No. Football intelligence? But that's what it is. I don't even think it's intelligence. It's it's hard work. It's tape study, right? Like the number it's of just plays. just a clean way of saying they're in position where they need to be. It's not, though. It's, 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 uh, it's attributing it to this inherent latent ability to just know what's coming without putting in any work. Do you have one word that can sum it up? Because I use instinctive because it's one word. Well, you used instinctual, which seems like a, I'm just not, is that even a word? Um, yeah. I'm just saying that it, it doesn't fairly attribute where this comes from. So guys like Sherman in particular, he makes so many plays where he's running the play for the offense and is in the right place because of all the tape and he knows what's coming. He's done the work. He's researched tendencies. He's anticipated exactly what they're doing. The, the interception uh, against the Vikings where he knew what they were running. Like as much as, you know, Phelan puts that blame on himself for not crossing Sherman's face as you're, as a receiver, there's only so much you can do when the DB literally knows where you're running and is at no point prepared to play anything other than that. Like it's, it's not easy to run a route to a place where the cornerback is already, you know, running a lot of what you do is predicated off the idea that I can fake him into something else. Right. But if he's not ever honoring that, like, I'm not going to honor an out route fake because I know you're not going there. I know you're running a dig. All right, so he's good at the, being at the he right place. He positions the right himself time. in the way. So everyone talks about Matthew as this instinctive player, and it's, you know, one incredible instincts. But honestly, the dude just does the work. He knows where you're running, and FBI. he puts himself there. It's FBI. If you like. Right. Yeah. I just, want to, I just wanted to sum it up in one word, and you just. Well, I don't, I don't like the disservice you're doing to these players. I'm going to stand up for them. I'm not even trying to imply that it's from birth. Mm, sounds like you're trying to imply that. Like, like Matthew would have just been there when he was 11 years old. He knows where to be. Yeah. Of course, it's like it's all of that stuff rolled in. He's just where he needs to be. Yeah. But it's not instincts. It's tape study. Knowledge. Knowledge is power, Steve. Great football knowledge by Tyron Matthew. There you go. Is that that hard? We have a whole article this week going up, too, about how the Chiefs defense has gotten worse as a pass rushing unit. Yet better as a defense. Mm. Counterintuitive, right? Yeah. Last year, Justin Houston was out there. D Ford was out there. Chris Jones was having a monumental season. They had the highest pass rush grade in the NFL, but they couldn't cover anybody yeah. on the back end. This year, again, I don't think on paper they're great. We're talking about Matthew. I mean, Matthew's improved that unit, but they're still, it's not like they've got the best group of corners out there. They're just, Scheming it up. So this is another element of this game that fascinates me. And it's partly because of the history of the people involved. Um, The Chiefs don't have a good defense, right? It's not very good. And it's not very good at a couple of areas where they need to be good at to combat a team like the 49ers. But that is in macro terms, right? Over the season, the Chiefs defense is not very good. On the other hand, in certain specific games, they have been very good. Um, and so one, the concept that you can have a bad unit overall or over time that is capable of elevating its game for a one-off performance, say the Super Bowl. Um, now what's to me, the biggest change in this defense from a year ago is that they have pivoted from, this is our system and this is what we run every week to a Bill Belichick style game plan oriented, uh, defense. So instead of saying we play man coverage all the time. And if you're able to beat man coverage, 
we're kind of screwed. But we're going to rely on the fact that playing man coverage is harder for an offense to combat than zone. So that's what we're going to do and just take our chances that the balance of probabilities and percentages fall in our favor. And they didn't. So last year, basically, the the defense was so bad that it didn't matter how good the offense was because even the most pedestrian of opposition offenses could keep pace in a shootout. This season, the defense has said, "Okay, we still don't have a great amount of talent. So what we're going to do instead is come up with a game plan that makes your life miserable every single opponent. So instead of just saying we play man coverage and if you can beat man coverage, we suck. We're going to go, all right, what is it you struggle against? What is it you do not want to see? And we're going to do that this week. Um, And so the, the run defense is a good example. They have not got a good run defense over the season at all. But yet they have basically shut teams down like the Vikings, where all the Vikings want to do is run the ball. And they were good at it. The Chiefs have gone, look, we can stop the run if we want to stop the run. And we know that's what you don't want to see. So that's what we're going to do. So there's a reasonable chance the Chiefs are going to be able to come into this game and stop the 49ers run attack that just crushed the Green Bay defense, which is a better defense overall than Kansas City's. Um, the, the other reason this is interesting is because um, because of the Eli Manning talk, right? Everyone is one of the things that comes up is how much was Eli a, a beneficiary of his defense? And when you talk about his Super Bowl wins now, Eli was a, a vital part of both those Super Bowl wins, particularly in the games, right? He made key, huge plays in those games that they don't win the game if he doesn't make them. On the other hand, you'd be a moron to suggest that the defense wasn't massive in both those Super Bowl victories as well. But if you look at the overall numbers of those defenses during those years, they weren't that good. They had like outlier impressive performances in the Super Bowl. Right. That was a big part of them winning those games. And who was coach at the time? Spagnuolo. And who's coach in Kansas City now? Spagnuolo. There you go. So the guy who has a history at the biggest stage of showing up with a game plan that makes a unit better than it's been all season long is part of this game. Was he there in 2012? I mean, 2011? Whatever. He was there for one of them, at least. He's definitely there in 07. Yeah. May have been with the... Don't ruin my my point. Don't ruin it. Was he with the Rams in 2011? Yeah, I think he was. Whatever. He was there in 07. Outlier performance. He was there in 07. Yeah. Yeah. Outlier performance of a defense that wasn't actually that great. Right. But showed up with a monster game at the biggest time. And he's done it so far this season, Vikings game, et cetera. I posted a number last week, too. Chiefs are actually number one in the NFL. Lowest percentage of throws at or beyond the sticks that were open. Of all their targets, lowest percentage, Niners are third. So, again, when we talk about this idea of, like, coverage over pass rush as a concept, the Chiefs are, like, they're living it right now. Again, they're not the, they haven't created the 85 Bears. We always have to throw that out there, right? It's not the 85 Bears, but... Cut down on open throws, even though the pressure isn't getting there as much as it did in previous years. Um, we've got a really nice Frank Clark versus D Ford breakdown. I mean, D Ford on a per play basis is outplaying Frank Clark. I know Frank that's Clark tough. Hasn't been good. I know it's tough for Chiefs fans to wrap their head around because he had some big plays in the playoffs. One of which was a Ryan Tannehill ten second sack. But either way, Frank Clark number fifty six in PFF pass rush grade. D Ford number nine. Clark number thirty six just in win percentage. Fifty seventh. In pressure percentage. You got yourself into trouble tweeting about that, didn't you? The Frank I, Clark play. I brought it up because G4 
Chiefs fans are, are they're happy with Frank Clark right now, but he has been the beneficiary of uh, some cleanup sacks mm. at the right time. But I think they'll they'll need a little bit better performance from Frank. He had a really nice divisional round yeah. against the Texans, um, but they'll need a big performance, I think, out of him. Chris Jones should be healthy. That's the biggest one up front. Yeah, and just all of the just as any any week against a Shanahan team. The second-level defenders for the Chiefs. The linebackers, Matthew, depending on where he's lined up, those guys are going to be um, under the microscope because they got to play the run. you got to fit well against the run. you got to play play action, all that stuff. So that should be a good matchup. Mm-hmm. Other side of the ball. Other side of the ball. Patrick Mahomes. He's pretty good. Against the Niners defense. This is where everybody really wants to watch, right? Super Bowl parties, even the people who don't know. By the way, shout out to uh, to Liz over at Parlor. Yeah, my haircut is it now better or worse than Patrick Mahomes' hair? Oh, it's better. I got better hair than Patrick Mahomes. Was it better before you started? It had some rough patches toward the end, but look, Liz did a great job uh-huh. over there. She was very excited when I told her that she's like a part of the podcast. She was very excited about that. You were saying that everybody over there was telling you what great hair you had. Yes. I mean, they... And you also... They were gushing about my hair. Yeah. The lady washing it, the one um, cutting it. You seem to think... That's all they did there. (laughs) That's all they did. Just those two folks. It's not a different shade now than it used to be? The girl, Liz, did a great job. Okay. Liz did a great job with my hair. Best haircut of all time. I mean, listen, she did a great job the first time around, but just like Patrick Mahomes... You want to see it again. You yeah. want to know that there's no sophomore slump. And I here's what she was like. You haven't been here for a while. Remind me. So I showed her a picture. She goes, I know exactly what I did for a haircut. It's a good thing that you showed her the correct picture and not the one that what was the Katie. Not the one that Katie. Let's not call out Katie. She's. Uh, well, I'm just saying that you came back from one haircut looking like Shirley Temple. Katie. Katie's like Tyler Palco, you know, for Chiefs <laughs> fans, you know, like she's. We don't talk about Brody Tyler Palco, and we have Brody Croy. We don't talk about them anymore. We have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I have Liz from Parlor. So the the thing I was interested in is if you need a haircut in Cincinnati. Go to Parlor. You seem to think that this was an entirely uh, impartial, unbiased take on your hair from yeah. the people that were getting money to cut it. Yeah, I'm not going to pay them more just because they complimented my hair. They know what they're working with. I'm just saying, I think they were invested in making you feel good about your, your hair, not, you know, pointing out you how absurd it is for a man in his 30s to be rocking a jerry curl. It's not a jerry curl. I mean, it kind of is, though, right? It's just natural flowing curly hair. Well, okay, put it this way. Differentiate for me the ways in which it is not a jerry curl. I don't, I don't know how people get their jerry curls going. <laughs> I don't know. I know my hair is naturally curly. I grow it out. Because you go to a lot I of... style it and make it look good. You go to a lot of effort to like roll in there with photographs of what it should look like. And yeah. Whereas the doctor, Dr. Eric, says that you just need to roll in there and go, standard jerry, please. Well, he doesn't know. <laughs> he well, doesn't he know. certainly doesn't have one. He doesn't know greatness when he's looking at it. But okay. shout out to Liz. She was excited that she's, you know, I told... My point was she was, she has no clue about anything football related. So she's like, I might go to a Super Bowl party. But, you know, the, even she's going to want to see Mahomes versus the 49ers defense oh, okay. is the point. That's where it all came from. Right. Also just wanted to find a way to give her a shout out. And also wanted to give a shout out to Proper Cloth and the nice shirts that we're wearing. We'll be rocking these over on Radio Row. We'll be rocking these over in 
Miami. You guys are trying to wear tank tops down on South Beach. I'm wearing proper cloth all week, trying to look good. The I very have, best in men's custom shirts. I should have got the custom made short sleeve because they do that. I, have. I didn't just even know the they sli- did that. You have enough shirts. I just cut the sleeves. Cut the proper cloth. That's not. Cut. That's not like high level uh, representing. I need to get the that's custom true. short sleeve. Maybe You're I'll. Uh, maybe I'll order one and get it delivered to the. What do we call it? The mansion. Yeah, it's somewhere, it's somewhere in between a mansion so, and an right. Airbnb. Maybe I'll order a short sleeve one from Proper Cloth, Send custom tailored, perfectly. Sending it to our thing that we're staying in between the Airbnb and the mansion. Yeah, down in Miami. Yeah, propercloth.com slash pff. If you use the promo code pff twenty, so pff twenty for Proper Cloth, pff thirty at pff.com. This yes. is great. So much savings we're giving you guys. Pff twenty, get twenty dollars off Take your notes. first shirt. Um, Send us a picture of whatever you design because you can design it. You can design the collar like Sam does, the cuff. You could put cacti on it. You could just go simple like I do or use the slate buttons, Both which I love. Those. I love the Both slate buttons. It. It's tough to go anywhere but the slate buttons. They're really nice looking. So check it out. Proper cloth made by the best fabric producers in the world. Each one of their shirts goes through an extensive quality control testing so that you're getting the absolute best in quality and craftsmanship stop wearing shirts that don't fit stop it stop i stopped it about four or five years ago and i'm thankful for it must have been a sight to behold before you were uh it's just not easy you can't shop you can't shop it's just too wide all my shirts Uh uh-huh i need xl tall i need length xl only one just xl i'm just xl fat wise you're i'm tall length you're only a single x yes so i'm saying i can't buy two xl stuff there are men out there right now you can't just go to the store and buy stuff and you you look ridiculous. Yeah. I'm just trying to help you. You look ridiculous if you're buying stuff off the rack. I'm just there sometimes. are people there are people like a full foot shorter than you who are more than one X. And you're only the one. Yeah, because it's about width. It's yeah. about how wide you are. Yeah. And how you know round you are. Huh. I am athletic and I am Whoa. slim. I am a former professional athlete. So I need XL tall. You're- so I go to proper cloth. Propercloth.com slash PFF, PFF20, get $20 off your first shirt. Yes, do that. Go now, pause the podcast, go buy yourself a shirt, get a custom tailored designed shirt for only as little as $60. It's so easy to do. PFF. You just put in your measurements too, 20. and then you just buy a, a million shirts. Now, now back up a little bit to the point where you said you were athletic. Yes. Really? Athletic. Yeah. You're talking dimensions as opposed to no, all of it. Skill. I'm. You've seen me go coast to coast on the basketball. Don't go by once. last week when I'm fighting off the once. Ebola virus or whatever. If you I go had. coast to coast once. Now you're done. doesn't matter. I'm capable. That's a wind. A thing. one time thing is not capable. Athleticism is different running. from wind. It's like somebody runs a good 40. You're like, oh, that guy's athletic. You're not like, oh, run 12 of them in a row. And let me see your. But like that's that, endurance. There's a difference between endurance and athleticism. I wasn't even getting to the point that your coast to coast thing is not quick or athletic. I mean. Of course it is. What? I am 6'10", between 270 and 290, and it you, moves pretty quick for that size. You running coast to coast, how many people that we play with would you run faster than doing that? I don't get chased down. Well, I don't get I, chased down. I, I'm not sure that indicates that you're faster than anyone. I think that indicates that we play in a lazy manner when nobody chases you. I don't get chased down. The evidence at hand says... One of the fastest guys on the court when I, I want to be. I don't think that's what it says. Patrick Mahomes against this 49ers defense. Hmm. 
The Niners defense. We always say the defense is, yeah, it's unstable. It's tough to maintain. By the way, maintain. Hulk and Joe Thomas are going to be down in Miami. There's a reasonable chance that My you basketball and I, shoes are packed. That you and I are going to get our asses kicked you playing your, basketball. Do you have your equipment? They're in the car. I can grab them. Okay. I've got my basketball shoes. I'm just saying, given what you've done over the last couple of weeks, you have not helped our case. Here's the thing. I have a history of well-rested is more important than practice for me. Don't give me that crap. That that's the, that's something lazy people say. Oh, the, the, the rest, the rest was more important than actually working. Rest in peace, Kobe, who says, I can't even relate to lazy people. That was one of his right. big quotes. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's just something that you know a lazy person would say. Oh, the rest was way more important than actually doing work no, and getting better. I feel good about the work we've put in the last few months. Then you're out of your mind. <laughs> the last few months we've done... Since like August, we've been balling. Well, if you want to go back to the point where before I ever picked up a basketball, then my improvement arc has come on once again. Huge degree. If we're going to lose to to Joe and Hawk, it's going to be because you're incompetent. I am starting to. So the the weeks that go by, I am starting to come to the conclusion that that is actually not the case anymore. If you'd got like a month or so ago. A hundred percent on board. I am the reason we're going to lose any basketball in Canada. Now I'm starting to think that you're the weak link. You're out of your. I will at least play defense consistently for a good number of points until I get too tired to move. You, you're done after like three points and they'll both be able to score on you. You're judging me based off of last week when I was ill. And they'll both be able to score on you. No. Like Listen, Joe Thomas will dominate just, you in the post and Hulk will make you fall over by being the, too quick for you. Let's get back to the podcast, please. Both of them will dominate you, and I will be left there trying to cover up your inadequacies by being a crappy defender. We're not going to win with your negativity. I know that. Let's. That's our problem. Let's man. get to Mahomes against this Chiefs offense against this 49ers defense. What are they going to do? Can they slow down Mahomes, who right now is the highest PFF grade among all quarterbacks in the playoffs? He is on an incredible run. Let's not forget that he has... You know, had some blips this year where he missed some throws, had some rough games compared to what we saw last year, but seems to have righted the ship down the stretch here now that he's healthy. Yeah, and the the scary thing for the 49ers defense is that he hasn't um he hasn't made that many special plays in the playoffs. Yeah. Like one of the things that obviously defines Mahomes is the absurd one of a kind things that only he can do that almost nobody else can. A lot of them are deep down the field. He really hasn't done that in the playoffs. Now there have been a couple of sort of freaky, vaguely freaky Mahomes plays like the, you know, rolling to his left was he passed the line of scrimmage touchdown to Kelsey, etc. But like he's capable of more than he's shown so far in the postseason, which is already crazy MVP level. So like there's more to come from this chief off- Chiefs offense that we, than we've seen in the playoffs. And it's already been dominant enough to terrify any defense. So we got a breakdown on the site. Um, Eric and I, uh, Eric did most of the work, but it was basically how did Mahomes go from a kind of a risky draft pick to MVP and, you know, a Super Bowl quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people did love Mahomes going out, coming out, but let's not get into revisionist history here. Some people loved his traits. Okay. A lot of the same people loved Deshaun Kaiser's traits. You know, so like when people, when people talk about their hits and misses, you know, it's like, oh, I had Mahomes was my number one, but like, yeah, I had Kaiser at two, you know, whatever it is, you unless, know, so unless your history of I love Mahomes uh, fire comes with a 
paragraph that explains how he's going to improve his play within structure, I don't think that you were just right because you thought it was great. So this is part of the breakdown with Eric. It was like the data. So if you just go by PFF data, and again, we don't just say, here's the grade. Here's what he'll be. There's all these different elements of the data that are predictive. But if you just looked at the grading and the grading breakdown and all the predictive things, Mahomes was a risky proposition. However, the outcomes that have happened right now, this high end outcomes were kind of like part of the potential outcomes, right? They were in there, just a low percentage chance. The big thing is like negatively graded throws usually stay consistent. Usually if you miss, you miss. The positives can fluctuate. That's the basic gist of it. He had a high percentage of negatives. So he has cut down on his negatively graded throw rate literally every year since his first year at Texas Tech. Has gotten gradually better until this year went up again um, just a little bit. But that usually doesn't get better at the NFL level. So this is where Andy Reid in the system comes in, right? They, he has managed to take, and it, I, I posted our scouting report on there, right? He managed to take the what he does best section, kept it status quo, took all the biggest concern section and just flipped them up to the what he does best section. He took all of his concerns, which was doesn't like to play within structure, inconsistent footwork, misses too many throws, drifts in the pocket, leaves clean pockets. He took that stuff and has the scheme and playmakers. You still have have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, which is which is part of this. And, and cut down on so many of those negatives for Mahomes. He and Baker Mayfield are essentially going in opposite directions with a similar set of negatives. Oh, absolutely. Like Baker, ha- they have exactly the same negatives, only Baker did them at a much smaller level right. at the college or a much smaller frequency at the college level. Now his are being magnified and Mahomes has gone in the opposite direction, cut them all down to the, right. the Baker level of, okay, if, if you're going to find a negative... Here it is, but he basically barely ever does it. And, and our guy, Zach Robinson, who's over with the Rams right now, assistant quarterback coach, he wrote up some of this um, scouting report along with me. And, you know, Zach loved Mahomes. He's like, dude, he's the best. He's the best quarterback. Zach loved him. Sammy Baugh 2.0. Sammy Baugh was his comparison. But some of the quotes, I mean, it was like glowingly writing about can make any throw with accuracy and power. Every type of platform, every arm angle, great vision to see multiple defenders, anticipates well, athletic in the pocket, plays outside of structure as well as anyone in the NFL right now. These are a lot of Zach's words um, describing Mahomes. All of that stuff is true. And all of that stuff in a vacuum um, is tough to say, okay, this guy will be MVP because with the concerns, it's like, well, He's playing. He's facing all these three man rushes in the Big Twelve, and he doesn't like to sit in the pocket. And even though he's got some instincts to it, why is he leaving a clean? You know all this stuff. And Reed has in, in this Kansas City offense. Everybody that's involved: Eric Bieniemy, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, all those playmakers he's throwing to, has managed to create all these open throws within structure, while also letting Mahomes just do his thing. And that is absolutely incredible. So we got the full write up on the site. And I think it's a fun way of looking. Could we have seen this coming? Yeah. Some people liked Mahomes, but if you were like, Hey, he's going to be MVP in year two. And we're going to be talking about like the Michael Jordan of football that people are comparing him to. Then I think you were, you know, I don't think anybody had that in mind. Well, I think in order to be right in quotation marks about Patrick Mahomes, you have to essentially work on the basis that the absolute optimum best case scenario possible for this player is going to happen. And okay, but if you applied that across the board to everybody, it would be insane, right? Like, oh, I, I think this guy can be a Superman. Yeah. Like, the, most of those don't happen. Almost never. Like, that doesn't, like, the only one, so 
Quentin Nelson, I think you can make that argument, right? There's almost no negative to this guy's play. Everybody loves him. He's probably going to be a superstar. Everyone agrees, right? right. The consensus for that was not there with Mahomes. Therefore, projecting the best possible case scenario for him is just a harder sell because there's more negatives there that have to swing around than they were with, with Nelson. Can we just talk for a second about how insane it is that Zach Robinson pulled out Sammy Ball as a comparison for, for yeah, I have no idea. Sammy Ball was just firing up some Sammy Ball YouTube. Sammy Ball died two years before Zach Robinson was drafted in the NFL. Sammy Ball last played in the NFL in 1964. I thought it was before that. That's great. Yeah. Well, he started playing in 1937. Oh, no, sorry. That's as a coach. Last played in the NFL in 1952. I was going to say, yeah. Then went 55 to 64 as a coach. Died two years before Zach was even drafted. And yet Sammy Ball is the guy that... that How did you not see that if you just dropped Sammy Ball into Andy Reid's offense, you get MVP Patrick Mahomes? I'm watching some Mahomes tape. You know who he reminds me of? Guy who died two years ago. Sammy Baugh. Yeah. Pretty hilarious. Good job, Zach. I mean, yeah, maybe he nailed it. I haven't watched enough of Sling and Sammy to know. We should but then some Sammy the play. fact that he's named Sling and Sammy as a, uh, as a, uh, a nickname yeah. suggests that he might have been right. Um, there were comparisons to, you know, Brett Favre and all that stuff. And, you know, Favre's another guy, too. He didn't have the best college numbers, but it just came together with a system. You know, the West Coast, we talk about people throw system quarterback around way too much these yeah. days because it's because it's, we just live in this black and white world, right? Are You're you either about to besmirch the good name of Joe Cool. No, good. Not at all. Don't do it. Oh, well, maybe. Don't well, do all it. I'm saying is it, life isn't this black and white world that people like to make it. The West Coast offense has done a really good job of elevating people like Joe Montana, Steve Young, Brett Favre through the years. Mm hmm. And getting the most, you know, just like the Shanahan's. If you're a PFF subscriber already, an elite subscriber. Oh, this is cool. Listen up. We have gone and graded the 1994 regular season game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers because that was the Joe Montana revenge game. Joe Montana, it's finally time. We're going to turn to Steve Young. Your time here is done. Get out of here. Well, fine. I'm going to go to the Chiefs. And not only am I going to go to the Chiefs, I'm going to go there. I'm going to beat you and show you that I'm still the better quarterback. So we graded that game, and Joe was indeed the better quarterback. Higher grade than Steve Young. Derek Thomas was also absurd in that game. He had a, uh, a win rate in terms of pressures of 40%. 40 as his pass rushes. That's yeah, that was, like mind-bending. 30 do is insane. 40 is just like you shouldn't even be able to do that. We're gonna but have this a was a 38-year-old busted up. Slowed down. It's like an average age in today's NFL. Knackered version of Joe uh, Joe Montana still goes out there and deals and shows that, you know, when I want to, I can go and beat the 49ers. It's really cool. We have a few retro games on the site, and uh, this is now officially the oldest one that we have, 1994. Um, so check it out. If you have PFF Elite, it's Premium Stats 2.0. Go find the year tab, and it, 1994 now works. Go check out the game. We're going to do a little content on it down at the Super Bowl, breaking down uh, the history leading up, you know, because there's a lot of cool history here between the Chiefs and the Niners. That was a, a fun, a fun experience getting that game graded. Good job by our uh, data guys pulling that out. Now we need to go grade more Montana games so we can get back on the Montana is better than Brady bandwagon. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, I don't think so. If just to annoy so you. So we always said like longevity. Longevity doesn't matter if you're like Eli Manning and you're just kind of like the number 25 graded quarterback for five straight years. Right. Longevity matters if you're still playing awesome 
and yeah. sticking around. Longevity is That's where important. Brady's always going to have it. If it's tied to elite play or to high-level play. Right. It doesn't matter if it's... So the fact that Brady was having like incredible seasons at 39, 40, 41, and all that stuff, while right. Montana could barely even get off the couch at 39 type of thing. Yes. I mean, same thing with Peyton versus Brady. There's something to that. Sticking around late. and Brady and Breeze have a chance to continue that in the next couple of years. Anyway, let's get back to the rest of the game. Can the Niners actually slow down this Chiefs offense? Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. We've said strategically... If you're, you know, on paper, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to double Tyreek Hill. I'm going to double Travis Kelsey. It's really not in the Niners' nature to scheme it up and be that specific. They're not pure just cover three the whole time. They have added more concepts. The same way Kyle Shanahan has added offensive concepts to a traditional system, Robert Salah has added a little bit more quarters, a little bit more cover two. They've added more, you know, two high looks and just different looks to this defense, but they're still not the team that's going to go out there, play cover one, double all day and take away these two weapons and make, make you win elsewhere. It's not really in their nature. You're still going to see a healthy dose of cover three and trust that pass rush to get home. So what is going to be the key here for the Niners? I mean, the pass rush is a big part of it. Um, the back end has improved from like one of the worst coverage units in the NFL to one of the best Richard Sherman being back to something like his best is a huge part of that. But so is the fact that they added these pass rushes up front. They had, you know, the 17 different three techs up front, but now they've got edge rushers. You've got Nick Bosa, the most pressure we've ever seen from a rookie. Um, you have D Ford, who has been banged up for a lot of the year, but when he's back there, has been backing up the contract performance that he had a year ago. So now you've got this, and that makes the interior guys better. So DeForest Buckner, I think, has a better impact this year because suddenly now when he gets pressure, the quarterback can't just evade it and escape to the edge free of uh, rush. He's got to escape to the edge where Nick Bosa is about to bury him or where D Ford is there. And Eric Armstead is having a contract season as well. So Armstead's been fantastic. Right. The Playing front on the edge a lot too has just been phenomenal. So that helps the back end, right? Those guys don't have to cover for as long. They know that if they create problems for the first read or the second read, now the pass rush is going to get home. You don't have to think about too many other different things. What is interesting, though, is just the sheer speed on the Chiefs offense, not just Tyreek Hill, who's maybe the fastest player in offense on offense in the NFL, but Miko Hardman, Travis Kelsey is one of the fastest tight ends in the league. They right. just have speed everywhere. And that inherently is hard to cover up. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in on. On getting speed, man. I, I saw the NGS stat that the NFL put out that these two these, these teams have the highest like average miles per hour for their ball carrier or whatever it is. Which you know, when you see like this dude ran twenty two miles an hour in isolation, kind of useless, right? But I think the average over the course of a season is kind of telling, and it matches the eye test when you watch the Chiefs. And this is one of the reasons why we said that Mahomes is actually taking a step back until this playoff run. This year, he left a lot of plays on the table. They were still explosive, but he had a lot of open receivers that he was missing early in the year that he wasn't missing in 2018. They could have scored even more points. And we're starting to see them live up to their potential because every time they've essentially needed a drive since the start of the playoffs, they've moved the chains. And the only time they've been stopped is is by drops. I mean, there's really not a great way to stop Mahomes when he's on. We keep talking about that. I do think from a pass rush standpoint, it's not necessarily going to be about winning. It's always to me. It's always about compressing that pocket on him. Make the windows a little bit tighter. Make the 
pocket a little bit tighter and less comfortable for him, but don't let him escape. Finding that balance. Belichick always talks about pad level, stay at the right pad level, stay even with the quarterback, all these different things. Um, I think all of that's going to be crucial. It's not just going to be like, hey, hey, Nick Bosa, just go whip Eric Fisher. And, you know, because if Mahomes gets out, you know, that's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous for the structure of your defense. Um, Richard Sherman, I think, is one of the keys to this game because he was our number one graded cornerback over the over the season. He, his numbers are spectacular. The guy allowed 227 yards all season. Like there are cornerbacks that gave that up in two weeks. Um, so he's been incredible at that. But if you go back to, you know, the last time these two teams played, he was basically toasted deep by Tyreek Hill, ended up getting back and, you know, let's like say. Devontae? No, no. That last time these two teams. Oh, last played. time. Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, ended up sort of diving past breakup in the end. Oh, zone right, right, right. That probably got there too early. Right. But wasn't called, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like his, he's got good recovery ability on that kind of stuff. Like if the ball isn't exactly where it needs to be, he's probably going to get back and, and be a part of the, the catch situation. But Tyreek Hill was able to just run the hell right by him for like three yards of separation. And you don't need too many opportunities of that for them to kill you with a deep, with a big play. We talked about that on Monday. Like if you're the chiefs and knowing how much Sherman Make sure that he doesn't get beat on the deep ball. Do you just run a whole bunch of curls and comebacks underneath him? There's an underneath zone defender a lot of times in cover three that's taking that away. But do you, instead of hiding, a lot of teams hide their number one. Do you say, Tyreek, go get Sherman because he's that long-limbed corner that Tyreek can have success against? I think that's the way to exploit Richard Sherman. He So he kind of struggles more against these short, shifty, fast receivers than the other type um, but I think the way of exploiting that is actually not the deep shot because he is so good at that. Now, I know he got beat by Devontae Adams last week, and I've just talked about how he got beat by Tyreek Hill before. You can beat him on those, but it's very rare. Like the the Devontae Adams one is the only deep shot he's been beaten on all season long that's actually resulted in a catch. So even if you think you have the advantage there, it's probably not a high percentage play. On the other hand... I think you can scare him in to giving up room underneath and basically just take a 15 yard comeback all day long. And those are important plays like that. And it's not a massive chunk play, but those are seriously good drive moving plays. If you can guarantee one of those pretty much anytime you want. Stefan Diggs in particular is a player that's done that to him a few times where he's able to sort of fake that deep threat, get he's fast enough to get Sherman concerned about it and then just break snaps off his route and sitting all alone the sideline as right. Sherman adjusts. And we've seen Tyreek Hill torch Jalen Ramsey right. in press coverage and all that stuff. Too. I mean, we've seen, seen him do it against every... The, the guys that had, like, Jonathan Jones from the Patriots with double-team help, who's a 4-3 guy, right? Those, who's a little bit smaller, more of a... He's a fast slot corner. Guys like that have had decent success against Tyreek Hill. So, do the Niners really have that not and, and they don't play match they don't play they don't play pickup basketball they don't play matchup man-to-man basketball you know they don't track okay generally yeah so anything else key here i think the niners pressure will be important i mean it is strength against strength here the um chiefs averaging the best yards per play uh when when uh when pressured 
and the Niners are the worst. This is the highest graded allowed postseason run we've ever seen from a quarterback from Mahomes. And as yeah. I said, he hasn't actually made that many spectacular plays. He's capable of more. Oh, it's been his patience. That's what I've been most impressed about. If they play zone, he's just finding the open man. He's just, and he's not missing throws. He's not missing the throws that he missed earlier in the year that we kept saying, here's the difference, right? Last year versus this year. He is just playing very, he's just taking what's there. And then, oh, by the way, if Sammy Watkins does sneak by the defense, I'll make that play too. And bear in mind how much of this playoff run has been from being in a deep hole, from chasing a game from behind where most quarterbacks suck. Like this, he's basically spent his entire playoffs, more or less, in the same scenario that broke Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar Jackson got put in a double-digit differential hole, and suddenly he wasn't the same guy. Now, he made some big plays, but he also made a couple of horrible decisions. The the interception, the fumble, like this, it, the being put in this situation essentially ruined Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Mahomes has spent, what, six quarters at least? in that scenario so far this postseason and has been phenomenal, has been the best graded postseason we've ever seen from a quarterback. If he actually ends up in a scenario where he's not buried, like I'm just saying that the terrifying thing for the 49ers is that this is the best quarterback performance we've ever seen in a postseason. And there's significantly more to come from it. Yeah. I keep saying the chiefs, they just that's their offense when they're down 24 nothing and yeah 10 nothing i mean they just they just run their offense right i mean that was my my point was you know the way to beat the ravens was to put them out of their comfort zone but if anything the same thing puts the chiefs in their comfort zone so that's so that's the other question here right andy reed everybody gets it lol randy andy reed you know uh clock management and all that stuff if there's been a weakness with andy reed who has been a top 5 play caller you know, since we started tracking this stuff late in the game, does he come out of his comfort zone? Does he run that four minute offense too much? Does he start running the ball too much? There have been games this year where that's happened from a game flow standpoint. Both of these coaches are incredible play callers. Shanahan has the stigma of losing 28 to three and Reed has the stigma of never winning the Super Bowl, never winning the big one and getting too conservative with an aggressive offense. Are we going to be sitting here with the Chiefs? Seven-point lead, five-point lead late in the game, four minutes left, and it's handoff, handoff to Damian Williams, or is it Patrick, go win the game? I think that's actually a fascinating thread to this whole story, is that both of these head coaches, A, they've been incredible at this stuff for most of their time, and B, they both have that specter lingering in the background somewhere. Um, Someone's going to lose it, so it's great. Right. And both of them, the problem would be going too conservative. Like as much as Shanahan, like he is haunted by that 28 to three thing. And if, and the, the, the takeaway most people have from that is he got too aggressive and that was the reason they lost the game. If they just run the ball four times or whatever, you win. No problem. I honestly don't know that he screwed that up. I think if you look at the plays that were called and what actually happened, he gets one of those. The game's over. Like all of the things had to break the other way. I mean, there was a strip sack and Matt Ryan took a bad sack that he shouldn't have taken. Right. Like, there were two and it was things, the blown like, sort of blitz protection pickup yeah. thing. Like, which is part of like the risk of calling a passing play, but it's like, the, but it's what we preach, it's right? It's, it's, it's keep doing what you're doing because it's working, right? This is how you win. The game is being as aggressive as you've been all game long and killing it, killing it right here. 
ending it. He did that. And all the crap broke against him. Like the odds went against him. This idea of, all right, let's say you've shifted the favor, they shifted things in your favor to now it's 70-30. The 30% hit. Like he just got a bad beat. Um, and I think, I honestly think if that happens again, his takeaway would be, I got too aggressive. I'm going to go more conservative. I'm going to, and that's bad. Like that's not what you want to do. Um, and then I think Andy Reid's just got the same sort of thing writ large where it's, look, I've had years of this. If we get up, I'm not going to be the reason we screw it up. I'm going to run the ball. I'm going to be more conservative. Like, I think they're both going to be in a scenario where if things are presented in that fashion, they'll both go conservative, which is the opposite of a, what the numbers say you should do and b what has made them so successful. We'll see if Andy, we'll see if either of them have learned. I mean, I think Andy has shown signs of learning, but it's, it's lurking over their head. I think that's going to be a fascinating development. I expect a good game. I expect a close game. And I do think we'll be looking back at challenges, timeout usage, play calling down the stretch. There'll be a lot of uh, X's and O's, more of a decision-making type stuff that I think as much, we've talked about the players, we've talked about how to stop the players, but I think coaching decisions will be a big part. of The this. other thing that goes back to that idea of um, Kevin Clark's of, you know, it's just better when the Patriots aren't here. Like nobody wants yeah. the Patriots to win another Super Bowl. Like when they're there again, it's like ugh, everyone's rooting for one team because the, the alternative is New England gets another one, which nobody wants. I think from a sort of personal standpoint, there's you have to be happy for both these guys winning, right? Andy Reid finally gets the Super Bowl that he's clearly deserved in terms of quality of coaching yeah. over his career. And Shanahan would get the redemption story of, you know, you come back, you fix 28-3, and now you've got your ring and you can go off on this this little dynasty or you can have this successful career. Whoever wins from an Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan point of view, I think most people would be happy for them. There's also like, the is this, be, is this the real beginning of like Mahomes' legacy? Right. Well, is both Mahomes, them, right. Is this the real beginning of Kyle Shanahan racking up a bunch of Super Bowls or is this the next dynasty Kansas City and, and Patrick Mahomes winning the next, you know, five of the next eight Super Bowls or whatever? Five of eight. And that'd be like, does, is Mahomes going to be a three, four Super Bowl winning right. quarterback? Because he certainly looks like he could be. And, you know, this would be and the, the first was, one. Yeah, they were a play away from the game a year ago. Yep. And now they're back there again. Like this could easily, I mean, Mahomes yeah. right now looks as unstoppable as he's ever stopped. They yeah. could be the next dynasty. They could be, could be seeing it. So there you go. God, that would suck. Going from one to the next. There always seems to be somebody dominating, right? Right. It takes a lot. To, I think we finally gotten rid of it. It takes a lot one. to do- dominate. We though, finally see the end long. of it. And then we get 10 years of Mahomes just dominating the league. It's going to be an awesome oh. game. Is what I'm expecting. We'll have more preview later in the week. So that's our official. Do you, do you want to make picks now? Let's, we'll save our picks for Thursday. Yeah, because I still don't know. Picks are on Thursday. We'll be breaking it down all week in Miami. Radio Row. Be sure to check it out. The best way to check out everything. PFF.com. PFF30 is the promo code. Through the Super Bowl. 30% off all of our annual subscriptions. I suggest you just get it now because you'll have it through next Super Bowl week. Essentially, 366, 366 days of access. You can't find yeah. that anywhere else. No one else is celebrating leap year like we are. No, well, like you. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Got to appreciate that extra day. So go check it out. PFF.com. PFF 30 is your 30 percent off. And uh, wheels up, man. We're heading to Miami. We're just going to. Did they get first class for us or what? Uh, George was talking about attempting to upgrade, but I suspect they said no. I'm going to need some kind of upgrade. I can't well, yeah, squeeze you, into those tiny seats again. Your your trick again. is to roll up to the airport and then basically say, 
Hi. Hi, do you have anything? Chair. Do you have anything for bigger humans? Yeah, I'm going to need a different chair. I don't fit in the uh, in the kitty section that you put me in. They're usually accommodating. We'll see how it goes tonight. So, yeah, stick with us all week. We're going to have some great content, video, radio, podcast, the whole deal from Miami. Mm. All right, man. That's it. We're out. That's your Super Bowl 54 preview minus the picks. Well, those will be on Thursday with all sorts of other goodies and surprises. We'll talk to you then. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.